0: Welcome to the Grace Avenue Church podcast, where we believe that the grace of God is yours to live. It is our prayer that this message will help you experience God's freedom, live your potential, and make the impact you were created for. Now here's the message. Good morning, church family. Happy end of summer. Welcome to uh, the end of the summer, the beginning of the fall, and the last part of the Church Fam series. Man, this summer has been, been a lot of fun, hasn't it? It's been a great summer for us you know this whole uh series that we've done june july and august it's the longest teaching series that we've done the longest preaching series we've ever done uh for an entire message and i'm not tired of it yet you don't seem to be tired of it uh but i just really felt uh, just god leading us to really uh back uh, a, f- a few months before summer started to really kind of hone in on what we talked about this summer and today we're finally closing it out it's the final day of the Church Fam series. How many of you have gotten a lot out of this series? It's the last. there have been a lot of co- things we've covered, a lot of things about New Testament Christianity, what it means to live out the gospel, what it means to live out the Word of God, what it means to belong to each other. So uh, let me just kind of summarize. If you haven't been here all summer and, and caught caught what we're talking about, I could summarize it in three specific points for you. We talked about church family and what it actually means to be a church family. And that it means this. Number one, we belong to Jesus. I mean, I could spend 10 weeks just talking about what that means and what it does for our life when we embrace the fullness of the work of Jesus on the cross, his finished work, his grace in our lives, his spirit working in and through us. What it means to belong to Jesus is the foundation of everything that we do as Christians. Everything that we do is the family of God. If we don't get that right, we don't have anything right. Number two, it means to we, that we belong to each other. In a world that's very uncommitted and in a world that's very, you know, delete you, unfriend you, unfollow you, disconnect from you, uh, hide you, block you. In all that world, Christ calls us to belong to each other. I may be able to uh, block you on Facebook, but I can't block you from the family of God. And so we have to learn what that means to to learn how to work through issues of forgiveness and misunderstanding, learn what it means to to bear one another's burdens and to do what scripture tells us, to pray for one another, care for one another, serve one another, uh, bear one another's burdens. All of these things about belonging to each other are just a huge part of our walk with God. And then lastly, is what I really want to focus on today, it's that we belong to a cause greater than our own ambitions. All of us have ambitions, hopes, dreams, goals, aspirations, things that that are in our hearts that we're reaching for. Many things that I believe God has placed there that we're reaching for the desire to, to reach for and do the things that God has placed there, to, to be the parent we, we want to see God make us to be, maybe the parent we didn't have, maybe set the, the family lineage to, to pursue something different besides brokenness and divorce and hopelessness and, and bad stewardship with money and bad stewardship with jobs and relationships and talents. and We want to see God do something, but those are great ambitions, but here's the challenge. If they become the main focus of our life, One of the greatest things that God has given us can become the most unimportant thing that God has given us. And that's having a sense of mission. A sense of mission. See, Jesus said, I came to seek and save the lost. That's why he came. To seek and save those who are lost. Not not just to to, to come to church on Sunday and, and enjoy the social gathering, even though that's what we do. He, he said, I came to seek, in other words, to go after, to find them and to save. Well, what does that mean to us these days to, to be rescued and saved in, in the sense of how that plays out in our lives for others, that sense of, of mission, a cause greater than our own ambitions? What would that cause be? Well, let me put it this way. The cause would be that for all of us should be that people would know Christ and that people would grow in Christ. Oh, We could summarize the mission of God, the mission that should resonate in our hearts as the family of God. It should resonate with those two key dynamics, that people would know Christ, that, that inside us would stir this desire that, that not just that our own ambitions and our own lives and our own goals are moving forward, but that people would know Christ. That we have come to know Christ and that, either that that experience of freedom and that liberation that happened in our lives would happen in other lives as well. That the brokenness and the lostness and the hopelessness we lived in and came from is something that other people are rescued from. So that people would know Christ and then also that people would grow in Christ. It, that it's not just a matter of conversion. It's not just a matter of people making a decision to follow Jesus or, or quote, turn over a new leaf or get a new beginning, but, but they actually gain roots and grow in their relationship with God, bearing fruit, growing in their life so that it affects their friends, their family, their neighbors, the generation that's to come, their children, the work environment they're around. Are you following me this morning? See, to know Christ and to grow in Christ, those have been the goals since the very beginning. When we met in the house, we wanted people to know Christ and grow in Christ. When we met in a garage, that's the forgotten part of the chapter that we don't ever talk about in Grace Avenue history. Right after the house, a very large garage. It was about 85 degrees in there. Worst decision of our church history. It's the hidden shameful chapter we don't really talk about. We just skip from the house to the movie theater, but there's a secret hidden chapter in there for six full weeks where we were sweating and there were wasps and hornets flying around in this garage. You know, I thought people were putting their hands up to be saved. They were swatting wasps is what they were doing. It was nuts. And then God opened the door for the movie theater, but maybe there'll be like a documentary on that hidden six-week chapter Called Daniel's worst decision in church history. Um, that was the goal in in the garage. That was the goal in the theater. That people would know Christ. That people would grow in Christ. It's been the goal for the last five years in this building. Is as is, is God has has basically tripled the size of our church. You know, this summer we 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 reached between seven and uh, seven and eight hundred people a few times just over a Sunday. We have as many kids as we did when we moved, as we did people when we moved to this building five years ago. That's, that's crazy. That's something to give God glory for. But what is the goal? What is the goal? Is it just growth for growth's sake, or is it that we're keeping those two pillars central to our lives? Because church can become about you. Church can become about what you're getting. Church can become about what you're not getting. And we can lose the focus that we belong to Jesus and we belong to each other and we get that part down. But then we get frustrated and we forget that it's about a cause that's greater than our own ambitions, a cause that's greater than our own comfort level at times. And that we have to recenter ourselves and say, are are our ambitions taking over this reality that it's important that people know Christ and grow in Christ? See, I want to talk about that for just a second. What does it mean that we grew up in Christ and that we know Christ. Let me tell you a little bit about my story. My story is that I grew up, because a lot of people don't know my story, and I don't tell it all the time. I still figure out ways to, to, to really tell it, um, but let me just summarize it like this. I, I grew up in a household that was a first generation of Christianity. My parents came to Christ from a very broken life in a very broken situation, started going to church didn't know a whole lot about Christianity, didn't know a whole lot about God, didn't know how to raise godly kids, didn't know how to do any of that, you know, the, grew up in a Christian home, I don't know, that, that's kind of a, a term that's so easily said, uh, it, it's difficult when you've, you don't have that in your history and you don't have that in your past. So uh, I was kind of an experiment, I guess you should say, being the firstborn of many and then also being a first-generation Christian and then growing up in this household where not only was I learning what it means to, to commit your life to Christ and to grow up in a home that loves God, but also my parents were learning. They weren't experts. They weren't Bible scholars. They didn't have a history of 30 years in church to, to know the scriptures and to know. So, so really, I was kind of an experiment, But by the age of 17, I think I was pretty much done with, not Jesus. I was never done with Jesus. I've always loved Jesus. But I was done with a lot of things in life. And one of those particular things just had to be people and church and anything having to do with church. And I can fast forward uh, from 17 till about 21 where there's this stage in my life for about five years where I basically lived about three lifetimes in five years. And I'm not kidding when I say that. I lived hard, I lived fast, and I lived broken, and that whole chapter of five years is full of uh, depression, and suicidal thoughts, and darkness, and brokenness, and bad decision making, and dangerous living, and pretty much anything and everything that you could think is destructive, I embraced and ran for it. You know, when I, I read the story of the prodigal son, it sounds very much like me. I understand that side of Christianity. I understand what it's like to be to have have left the the heart of the Father and and left the family of God and know what it's like to be living in your own mess, saying, How could I get this low? How could I come to this? That's a story that resonates with me because it still feels like yesterday that God rescued me. It still feels like yesterday that I was asking. Myself, that question. Literally, I remember saying that out loud. How could I have come this low? How did my life get to this place? That's why it's so important to our church that we live for a cause greater than our own ambitions, because there's people just like that that are in our lives, walking through our doors, experiencing that same hopelessness, experiencing that same darkness. I'm not talking about we're going to be a church that just preaches cute messages and makes people feel good. People need to be rescued from darkness. People need to be rescued from their brokenness, and their destructive behaviors, and their destructive living, and their self-defeating behaviors. And if we don't have a passion for that as a church, then who will? If we don't have a passion for that, as people who've been put into the lives of people who are broken and hopeless, not to judge them, not to condemn them, but to love them and pray for them and hope that they will see the light that God has shined on their life. So my journey began at that age, at 21, when God rescued me with this. Number one, I was born again. To be born again meant my sins were forgiven, grace was imparted, and I was born of the Spirit. As Jesus said, it wasn't a matter of being born of the flesh, it was a matter of being born of the Spirit. I wasn't just... uh, turning over a new leaf. I wasn't just starting a new life. I wasn't just sick of my past. I was entering into something that Jesus says, this is a literal born-again experience. You're you're transferring from what he calls the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Off of you are coming bondages. Off of you is is coming this, uh, Self loathing and this self hatred and these destructive behaviors, it's a deliverance is what it is. I literally remember literally remember praying with this guy. Thank God he took the time to listen to me for three and a half hours talk about how bad my life was, and then finally, not just say, Hey, I'll be praying for you, bro, but ask me, What do you want to do about this, man? Is it time to make a decision? I wonder if I had I'd have destroyed myself if he not had the boldness to ask me that question. And just said, praying for you, bro. Praying hands emoji. Instead of challenging me to say, what are you going to do about this? I wonder where my family would be. I wonder if I'd have a family. I wonder if I'd be alive. I wonder if you'd be in my life. Something happens when people get bold about others being born again. Jesus answered and said to him, truly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. It's not a matter, church, of of us just wanting to live a better life, stop destructive behaviors. It's a matter of us being born again. Secondly, it's about being redeemed. I I was redeemed. To to be redeemed literally means to be rescued from captivity. See, when I look back on my life, I see that I was actually rescued from a prison. I was rescued from captivity, bondage, slavery, slavery to attitudes and mindsets and habits and frustrations and fears. All of these things weighing over me. I was pulled from darkness. I was delivered from sin. This is the power of the gospel. This is the power of a church family understanding what we're really here for. I mean, we're wearing jerseys. We're high-fiving each other. Some of you have very terrible jerseys on, and that's okay. You need to be delivered from that. But nevertheless, the truth is that that we're wearing what, what God calls a robe of righteousness, as the family of God. That's our jersey that we all wear. It's what we all share. Ephesians chapter one, verse seven. I I want you to just read this just with me, just slowly, just, just to yourself. It says, in him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. We have redemption. We have that rescue. It's amazing that God can redeem a soul and make it new. People will see you the same, but God sees you different. You know, people flip houses, but God flips lives. People restore cars, but God restores lives and marriages and dreams and goals. That's the beauty of God's redemption. That's the beauty of stepping into a born-again life and being redeemed by his blood for the forgiveness of sins. See, we never know what God wants to redeem when everything is broken. I was on a plane one time going to speak somewhere, and there was this um, uh, woman with her mother on, on a plane. And she was probably about, I don't know, mid-50s, and mom was probably in her 70s. And I was literally about to put my headphones on, which I usually do on a plane, just want to listen to some music. And I was, uh, but I felt at, on the plane, sometimes you feel that, that you're supposed to talk to somebody. Or they're supposed to talk to you, one of the two. But I was super tired and just wanted to chill out, wanted to do my thing. Uh, but I just, I kept them off for a second. I was like, no, nah, I just, I think these people want to talk to me. Certainly enough, they start a conversation. Well, who, who knew what was going to come out of it? At, at the end of the conversation, over the flight from Seattle back to San Antonio, I remember she asked me where I went to church uh, she asked me what I was doing. I said, I was speaking at a church. And then she said, well, what church do you go to back home? And I told her, explained the whole situation, what I do. Uh, and that's the last time I saw him. I didn't get their number. They didn't get my number. That was it. About a year later, I run into this family at church. And the wife says, this is my husband. And then the husband, with tears in his eyes, starts crying. and says, you're the one that helped get us here. My daughters, we weren't speaking at all. His grown daughters, they weren't speaking at all. The family was busted and broken apart. And I'm telling you, that was about 12 years ago. Every time I see this man, I only see him every couple of years, two, three years. I run into him somewhere, a store, a restaurant. Man, he just looks at me, starts crying. He says, my family's back together because of you. And I'm just like, I'm glad I didn't put my headphones in and tune them out that day But you never know what God wants to redeem because of your redemption. A family restored and a family brought back together. I mean, he tells me all the time, we weren't even speaking. My daughters weren't even speaking to me. There was was nothing left in our life that that was a remnant of a family. Man, I hear that it touches my heart because you just don't know what God wants to redeem. When you get past your past, you'd be blown away at what God wants to do. With your story. When you get past your shame, you'd be amazed at what God wants to do. See, what, what a lot of you don't know is that on this very road, okay, look, I've been traveling for about 20 years, anywhere and everywhere. I've lived on different sides of town. I've lived in Austin. I've lived in Australia. I've lived in Houston. I lived here in San Antonio on different sides of town. Of all the places that God would open up a building for us, like this gives me chills talking about it. We're on a road where I literally wanted to take my life 20 years ago. In apartments one mile, not even one mile from here. Past the stoplight, down here on the right, that's how dark it was. And for God to redeem in a full circle and bring me back to a place where darkness almost overruled everything and took me out. Now, here's the thing. If I had been, what if I had been so filled with with shame and regret about this whole road and the activities that took place on this road, some legal, some illegal. Well, we'll go into the past. The past is the past. But let's just say that at the time, let's say when we found this building, if I was so filled with shame and regret about, oh man, I I can't be around here. This just brings back too many bad memories. Our church has tripled in this building. That's more people saved, more people redeemed. See, God wants you to get past your past. Maybe he wants to use the past. Maybe he wanted to use the past as the foundation for what was to come so that other people could be free. But if I was living in the past, if I was living in what I hadn't done or what I had done or what I shouldn't have done, and I hadn't accepted the redemption that Jesus purchased, then because of my own merit, because of my own goodness or lack of goodness, I would have disqualified myself from being used by God right here in this building, right here on this road. Are you following me this morning? Here's the third thing. God makes us a new creation. He makes us a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5 says, if anyone, everybody say anyone. If anyone, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, Oompa Loompa, Republican, Democrat, wherever you are, if anyone, including the Oompa Loompa and including Cowboys fans, if anyone (laughs) is in Christ, they're a new creation. Not an improved version, not a makeover, not a Band-Aid. They're a new creation, friends, when God is redeeming people and bringing them into the family of God, making them brothers and sisters in Christ in our lives. Man, they're new creations. So easy to see people for who they were rather than who they are who God has made them to be. Do we have eyes to see, number one, ourselves, the way Christ sees us as a new creation? Number two, do we have the ability to see others as new creations? Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's masterpiece, created in Christ so we can do good things he planned for us long ago. All the things I'm living out, walking out, doing the parent I want to be, the father I want to be, the leader I want to be, the pastor I want to be, the friend I want to be, all of those things God had planned long ago. But it took God's redemption. It took God planning long ago that I would walk in that, which he's called me to. Lastly, we're saved, called, and set apart. We're saved, called, and set apart. Always, this, this scripture always gets me. John chapter 15, Jesus saying this, it it literally blows my mind how much thought I tend to and have put into how I found God. And then I read this and realize God found me. There's so much in my story that I always uh, set a stake in the ground as I found God, and then I did this, and then I made that decision, and then that led to this. But this scripture always brings me back. I just want to read it to you, John 15, 16. You did not choose me. But I chose you and I appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain, that we'd grow in Christ, so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. It always brings me back to a place of humility and gratitude, knowing that it's God who found me. So how do we live in that? I'm throwing lots of Bible at you today, the last part of the series, I'm going to give you all-you-can-eat buffet. First Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. This is our new identity, okay? I know we all got different jerseys on. We all got different backgrounds. We have different pursuits, different goals, different strategies for what we're trying to do. This is what all of us as church fam should be understanding about ourselves. First Corinthians 4.1, this is how one should regard us, you and me, each one of us, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. The mystery of how and why God saved me, we're stewards of that. We're we're servants of Christ, each one of us, and not servants of our own ambitions, not servants of just our own goals and our own dreams and our own pursuits, but we are servants of the living God. Church fam, that is the pillar that we rest on, that we've been born again, that we've been redeemed, that we're a new creation, that we're saved, called, and set apart. See, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. That wasn't so much an encouragement as it was a mandate for us to really embrace that, to embrace that understanding. Let me ask you this. Do things change when you show up in darkness? Do things change? Are marriages better when your marriage is around other marriages? Are other people, other men, better when you're around? Are other women impacted by your influence? Is your life Blending in, or is your life shining a light? I mean, this is the question we have to continue to ask ourselves. Not from a performance level, but from just the sake of, does my life resonate with the things that God did in me so much so that when I stand in a place where darkness reigns, light shines? Things change. People's hearts open up. Maybe not the moment you get there, but maybe down the road. Are you, are you following me this morning? See, often churches become really, really focused, in Christians, on those first two things I taught about most of the summer. Belonging to Jesus and belonging to each other. And this last point about belonging to a cause that's greater than our own ambitions really becomes last on the list to the social gathering of church. And that's where drama comes in and territorialism comes in and offenses come in and small thinking comes in. And people move from this church to that church, from that seat to that seat, from this ministry to that ministry, from this experience to that experience, from that denomination to that denomination to I don't even know if I want to go to church anymore. Because they're looking for something that's already been found. They've already found it if they would get back to the cause that people are to know Christ and grow in Christ. Look, life is going to be filled with drama. You'll never find the perfect friend, the perfect spouse, the perfect church, the perfect pastor. I know you won't find that one. You won't find perfection. But you can find the cause no matter where God places you, no matter where you are. You can find the cause. There's always a cause to be lived out. That people would know Christ and grow in Christ. That's the cause that all of our lives should be centered on. And in addition, how God uses those gifts and talents he's given us plays into those environments and those atmospheres where God has planted us. You don't have to become me. I don't have to become you. What God has made you to do, you do that and you let your light shine. Where God has called me to go and called me to do, I let my light shine. I put this in the notes. I don't know if I should say it, but yeah, I probably shouldn't. Church is not meant to become a self-indulgent recreation center. Instead, it's an others-focused rescue mission. Church fam, that's what we're called to be. An others-focused rescue mission. That we're growing in knowing Christ. Luke chapter 15. I don't have time to read the whole passage, But Jesus talks about three particular things that are lost. A lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. In this parable, most of us have only heard about the parable of the prodigal son, which is really the story of two sons, but it's a son that's lost, kind of what I referenced earlier. of How a son goes and blows his inheritance, and basically through his own impatience, demands that his father give him that inheritance so that he can go out and live out what he feels is his best life in this season right now without any regard for what his father's counsel may be in that situation. It gives, a story, it gives us a story of what a blessing too soon can actually do to you. It gives us a picture of what impatience can produce in our life when the foundation's not right. And in each one of these stories, the parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin and the lost son, God shows us increasing value. When you get a picture of what Jesus taught on this day, standing before these people, Jesus taught about increasing value in each one. And everybody who was in that crowd could relate somehow, some way to what he was talking about. To those who were shepherds and business owners, they understood when he said one of 100 sheep is lost, they knew monetarily that meant money, that meant value. But to God the Father, it meant a life. To Jesus, it meant one person out of the 99, one person out of the 100 that was lost needed to be found. Jesus says, Wouldn't the shepherd go after the one and leave the 99? One that was lost, a shepherd committed to the cause of even one being saved and not being lost, friends. If we look at our crowd today, all of us could probably say, what if there were like 100 here today? And, but we would probably think it's 99. Because one wouldn't matter. Unless it was the one that's your son. Or your spouse. Or your friend. Then it would matter. Then the cause would really matter. It's the same with the coin. The coin represented to the woman who was sweeping for this coin that was lost. There were 10 coins. It was one that was lost. We look at that and I think, what does that mean, coins? What's the value of those? The value of what those represented was incredible and tremendous value. These coins represented what what was called a dowry, what she would actually present in her marriage. She was bringing value to the marriage. She was bringing... um, monetary value to the marriage. And there's a whole lot of biblical history and all of that. But, but to summarize, it, it was basically one coin that needed to be found. And it says, won't she diligently search and sweep the house until she finds it? Well, women could understand in that crowd. They know the value of that coin. They, they know what, what that representation of that coin means. And then Jesus spoke of the lost son. Father's there and mother's there understood the value of a child that was lost. They understood that there are children who had wandered from God. This particular son ran away. See, sheep wander, but then there's people like me and some of you who didn't wander. We ran. We ran. And not only did we run, we made a mess of our lives. And when we came back, what we actually realized is that we were getting everything we wanted at the expense of, of our Father. At the expense of the true home we're called to. Anything that calls us into life that pulls us away from the Father is not the will of the Father. It's not the plan of God. And as Jesus told this story, he he appealed to all in the crowd. See, sheep can make noise about their lostness. It has legs, it has a voice to make noise, but it doesn't have the ability to get out of its own predicament. Someone has to go and rescue it. That's where we play a part. And seeing, that's the cause. Seeing people be rescued. The coin, it didn't get lost by itself and it can't redeem itself. Someone has to diligently search for it and find it. And the lost son, he can't get back. The lost daughter, they can't get back from their lostness till that individual comes to their senses. That's what Jesus said. And when he had come to his senses, he then said, even the servants in my father's house eat better than I do. I should go back to my father That's redemption. That's the grace of God. That's the mercy of God. That's what we embrace, friends. That is the cause I'm talking about. That as a church family, they'll be serving food today. Today we'll give. Monetarily to the vision of this church. Today, we'll give out of ourselves as we pray with people in this church. Today, we'll, we'll give of our friendship. We'll high-five each other. We belong to Jesus. We belong to each other. But at the end of the day, let's remember, we belong to a cause greater than our own ambitions. Let's let his cause and his mission be the center of what motivates our love for God and our love for others. Amen. If you would like the most up-to-date information about Grace Avenue Church or you are looking for a way to support this ministry, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks for listening.